following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. All right. It's been over three years now that we had a, a tremendous team help us um, move. Right? We'd lived in the same home for almost a decade, so I can tell you right now, that's kind of a, of a big deal. Uh, Mike and Darby will be making a move some point in the future um, after living in the same place for a long time. Good luck, and don't call this part of your family, okay? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, not really. No, just kidding. Um, it's been about three years ago that, that we moved, and we had a team that helped us do it, and it was awesome, and it was great. And um, if I never told you thank you for that, those people who helped out with that, I'm so sorry. It took three years for me to even think about it without breaking into a cold sweat, all right? Um, so if you, if you help, thank you so much. We, we know, because so many of you in this room have experienced this, that certain things happen when you move into a new home. Um, by its very nature, there's some of these elements involved. Sleeping in the, in the midst of just piles and stacks of boxes, whether they're full or they're empty, and you're just too tired to do anything with the empty ones, so they just stay there for a couple weeks, you know? You got that going on. You've got, you've got garage sales going on. You've got, you've got broken stuff happening, you know? You got stuff that you lose forever. If you, want, if you have too much stuff, just move. You'll lose half of it, okay? Don't know what happens to it. It's just gone, all right? Um, leaving something behind and going to something new, it, it always requires something of us. And even if it's not really new, it's just new to you. It, it's still new, okay? Um, it's interesting. As, as we look to... The Apostle Paul, who wrote a pretty good chunk of the New Testament, um, he has something to say about moving, but maybe not specifically about moving from home to home. His is more specifically about moving on, moving on in life. Um, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, it's, it's kind of right in the middle of, of, of your New Testament, um, you find First and Second Corinthians, that's a pretty good chunk of the New Testament. So if you find that, you just turn a few pages to the right and you'll find Philippians. If you're not sure where it's at, just look to the table of contents in your Bible. It's put there for a reason, all right? Uh, but get to Philippians chapter 3. It's interesting, we talk a lot about Philippians chapter 4, but it's like chapter 3 gets left out sometimes. So that's what we're going to look at today. A little bit about the letter... Of Philippians. It really truly was just that. Paul was writing a letter to a church in the city of Philippi, a church that he helped start. And um, very accurately, the, the letter written to the Philippians has been called a, a elongated um, thank you note because they supported Paul in his ministry and he was writing them to say thank you. We call it the joy book. It's, it's happy, happy, joy, joy. He says rejoice in it so many times. Um, Paul loved this church. Um, but since he was writing them, he put a warning out in front of them at the same time. And his warning was this, beware of the dogs. All right, And he wasn't talking literally about dogs. He was talking about false teachers who were attacking churches all over the place. And what these false teachers were teaching, these false teachers were caught up in the past. They were trying to bring the past into the present. 
And the past wasn't good because the past had to do with the old way of doing things before Jesus showed up and changed everything. And could be called in, in maybe more um, churchy terms, legalism. All right? And Paul... Paul gives his own testimony of legalism because Paul was a Pharisee and he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, all right? This guy, he knew his stuff when it came to the law, all right? And that was his old life. And he said, that's my old life before Jesus took control of my life. He says, since he has what I used to see as so valuable now has become nothing to me, literally nothing. I count it as loss the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Um, we're going to be looking specifically in Philippians 3, 12 through 14 today. But before we do that, it's kind of right in the middle of things. So let's jump back to verse 8 here for just a moment, all right? Verse 8 through verse 11. This is what it says. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The old, it's, 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 it's done. I'm going on to new things. And this is where he talks about this specifically, verses 12 through 14. He says, not that I've already obtained it, this resurrection he's talking about, or have already become perfect, which more specifically, we'll talk about that in a moment, is completed. He says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. It's interesting that you're going to read that phrase several times in this short little passage of Scripture. To be laid hold of. That I'm going to lay hold of something. More about that here in a moment. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, It's interesting to me. That as, as, as we look at that term in this passage used at least three times, kind of implied another time, Paul talking about trying to lay hold of something, Paul talking about he himself being laid hold of by Jesus Christ, in the Greek that is an incredibly strong verb, right? It's an action word. And it is a strong one. As a matter of fact, your Bible could very easily say seized, alright? To seize something. Matter of fact, the, If you have a King James, not a new King James, but a King James version, you're going to read something different than laid hold. You're going to read apprehend or apprehended. Okay, I mean, this is a strong, powerful word. And he says, I have been laid hold of, seized by Christ. But that's not the end of it. Paul says in return, he is working hard to seize something too. What he's working hard to seize to grab hold of is perfection, completion in 
Jesus Christ. And that has everything for Paul to do with moving on. All right, if you like to take notes, this this is going to be an easy one, all right? Paul has a formula, just a two-step formula for moving on in life. Now, I'm sorry, from moving home to home, no formula, all right? You're on your own, and hopefully you got a lot of friends and family, because that's not fun. But for moving on in life, he gives the formula, and the first part is this, right out of this verse, forgetting the past. We told you before, Don and I both have, that Addison is the sentimental one of our bunch and how it's hard for her to let go of things in the past. She has a really hard time letting go of the home that we lived in for 10 years. That's the home that she came home to after she was born, which according to her, she remembers all of that, all right, and, uh, and, and, lived, and lived in that home for about seven, seven, eight years, Okay, And when she thinks about that home, it is so hard for her to let go of it, even to the point of we have a new great home, but sometimes I just wish I just had that old home. You know? I'm like, but you don't understand. We could not have King Louie. That's our dog, Louie. He's King Louie. I also call him Hubba Bubba. All right? But uh, he's a good pup, good dog. We couldn't have a dog at our old home. We could not have it. It was against the rules. I'm like, we could not have King Louie. Doesn't matter. One bathroom. Now, there was another bathroom in the back, but we never used it. We shut the door. It was cold back there. We just never used it. All right. So, uh, or really hot in the summertime. So, we all used the same bathroom. And now at this new home, we have two bathrooms, which that might be sentimental Addison, too, because we still can't get her out of our bathroom. Well, the third one is just half a bathroom. It's just a toilet and a sink. That's not a true bathroom, Audrey. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, we got two bathrooms here. Two and a half bathrooms. We got a fireplace. We can build a wood fire, which she loves that, but it doesn't matter. So just miss that old place, you know. Now, I think things would be a little different for her if we lived in a 450 square foot dump before we moved to where we are now. It would probably be, it would not be, I just miss that. I miss the carpet that turned our socks black. In four steps. I just miss it so much. Remember that, huh? That's been a few years ago before the kids. All right. Um, Here's a question for you. Speaking of moving on, where were you in life when you were seized by Christ? Where were you? You know, it looks a little different for every one of us. What did it look like for Paul before he was seized by Christ? Well, I can tell you what it looked like for Paul. There's a reason why he wanted to forget it. He was a persecutor of the church. He stood by and watched the first man lose his life for the sake of the gospel. He not only stood and watched and approved, he took care of the coats of the guys who were throwing the stones at Stephen, saying, throw him harder, hit him harder, hallelujah. And he went from town to town, tearing families apart, throwing people into prison for no other reason that they believed in that rabbi named Jesus. That's Paul's past life. Do you understand now why in verse 13 he says this? Brothers, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies 
Paul wanted to forget what was behind. And if you find yourself, maybe you weren't a persecutor of the church, but when you look to your past, you don't see anything that makes you smile. And when you're reminded of the past, you're reminded of hurt, you're reminded of guilt, of so many things, then I think Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, I mean, if that's you, turn here, please. Because these words have power. Turn to 2 Corinthians, just a few pages to the left in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you are with Paul in this, you, you break out your pen now. Get one off one of the chairs in front of you. Grab a highlighter. Do something. And you underline verse 17. And don't forget it. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... This one is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I promise you, when Paul wrote those words, he wrote those words, or when he spoke those words. By the time he wrote 2 Corinthians, his eyesight was so bad he couldn't write, so he had to dictate what he was saying to someone else, and they would write it. But when he said it in those eyes, it didn't work very well, but they had shed tears. There would be tears coming out of him when he said, the past is gone. I am a new creature in Christ. And if you look upon your past with guilt, remember, you are new. And that's a great thing. But maybe you don't relate so much to Paul in this. Maybe you're a little bit like me. And when you think about your past, these are the thoughts that pop into your mind. Oh, I wasn't that bad of a kid. You know, see, I... Christ became part of my life when I was pretty young. I was like, I mean, mean, I'm sure I was... a little rough around the edges, you know. Probably didn't honor mom and dad like I probably should have. You know. But I wasn't that bad of a guy. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? You know, I mean, I, I was really pretty good, pretty good gal, pretty good guy. Okay, if that's where you are at with me, listen closely. Yes, you were bad. <laughs> so was I. We were selfish, lying punks who put Jesus on the cross with our sin. There is great danger in not detesting our lives before Christ laid hold of us and we laid hold of his promises. There's great danger in that. You see, when I don't detest my selfish way of living pre-Jesus, I am vulnerable to falling right back into that way of thinking and living again. You could sum it up in this way. To live in a selfish, self-reliant way. I can handle it. Because I'm really not that bad of a guy. I was a lying cheat. Who, if everyone else in this world was perfect, my sin still would have cost Jesus his life on the cross. That's what I was. And that's what you were. And we cannot ever, ever forget that. 
On the other hand, if we look back on our past with guilt, we do forget that and press on forward. Okay, so what we got so far is forgetting the past, forgetting the old way of doing things for some of us, that's me, and over here for others, forgetting the guilt because Jesus paid for that on the cross. But that's not all of it, because after we forget, we've got to follow. And not just follow, follow onward. How many of you last week saw somebody, last Saturday, saw somebody in the ditch? In the snow? (laughs) Carly just says, my dad. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Uh, I should ask that. How many of you ended up in the ditch last week? All right. Uh, we, we were in Cherryville, and before the ball game started, it was kind of raining with a little bit of snow in it. And by the time the ball game was over, and this is a sixth grade basketball game, it did not take very long. There was over, over three and a half, four inches of snow on the ground, and it was coming down hard. And it took us an hour and 25 minutes to get from Cherryville to our driveway west of Tyro. All right, and along the way, the girls are like, "Why are we? Why is this taking so long? Why are we going so slow?" I say, "Just like watch, watch out your windows at those people in the ditch right now. That is why we are driving slow." And I wish I'd been in the jeep because there's nothing better than pulling somebody out who's stuck. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. It's so great, especially if they drive a Ford. Just love it. Love it. Love it, Scott. (laughs) This is a funny thing. If you are a fan of any motor company, if you're a fan of any type of truck, God will humble you by making you get pulled out at some point by somebody who has the brand of another truck. Just live with it. It's going to happen sooner or later. Just bite the bullet. Keep your mouth shut. Let them pull you out and say thank you, all right? Because sometimes when you're stuck, it is so much easier to move forward, even if it's a dodge, okay? It's so much easier to move forward when someone is in front of you helping. And that's the awesome thing about following Jesus. There's more to it than Just look at this. Let's look at verse 14, because I've got to dig into this phrase, press on here a little bit, for this to fully, the lights turn on for us with this. We're already, we're done with this forgetting the past thing. Verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This press on, what we have in in our English, it's a Greek word that, that can mean two things, pursue, to pursue, or, I really like this one, to follow on. Like I said, it's so much easier to follow someone when they're right there close, pulling you along. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Jesus Christ. That word goal, that's a really, really unique word in the New Testament, not used really, really often. Literally, it means mark or target. It means to set your eyes focused 
without distraction on something ahead of you. And Paul, you know, you know what? I can tell you completely, I am very, very confident in this, that if Paul was alive today, and it was him up here preaching in front of you in this culture, in our nation, right here, instead of me, he would be saying, the Chiefs are going to win tonight. All right? That's what he would say. Because, because I'm serious, all right? Paul was a fan of athletics. He was. He talks about athletics. Now, he didn't talk about football. There was no football at that time. But they did have games. They did have, they did have races. And he was a fan of those runners. And this is athletic terminology. And what he's talking about here is the goal in front is the end. And someone who's running a race in such a way to win, they're not distracted. They focus on what is ahead. And he goes on with that and he says they press on toward the goal of the prize. This is also athletic terminology. The prize, as, he, as Paul speaks about it later in, the new, in, in, in our New Testament, it's, it's, it's the wreath that can, cannot be taken away in 2 Corinthians. You see, runners in that day, in that time, they would receive a reward for winning the race. And on special occasions, the emperor himself would award the victor in the imperial box. And there was no greater honor than that. But Paul is talking about a prize that is beyond anything this world can offer. Even a prize like that pales in comparison to the reward of completion in Christ. What exactly is he getting at here? He says, I have not yet laid a hold of it, but I'm still working on it to be made complete in Christ. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We even referred to it a little bit last week in Paul in his letter to the church in Colossae when he talks about hope. And he describes hope The greatest hope in this way. He says this. Speaking to the church there. To the Gentiles in that church. The non-Jews in that church. Because the church was largely that. And he says this. He says Christ in you. The hope of glory. As we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about Christ is within us now. All right, But the hope of glory that is being referred to there is still yet to come. Completion in Jesus Christ. Transformation in Jesus Christ. This is the prize. Jesus will not only reward his people with a transformation that we cannot even dream of. He helps us get there leading us each step of the way. Paul's formula for moving on, it really amounts to this. Forgetting the past and following Christ. Following on. You know, nothing about training is easy. It's kind of interesting. Um, watching a basketball practice this week. I, I typically don't watch the basketball practice. I watch watch a number of games, but I don't typically watch the practices, but I got there, um, and they weren't quite done yet, and I went in. Now, uh, the coach, um, 
uh, of Addison's team is Christy Denny. And she's, she's a really, really good coach, played a lot of basketball herself, and I love how she's teaching the girls the fundamentals, and yet also teaching them plays and all sorts of stuff. I mean, she's really doing a good job. And it's funny because, you ever heard of the good cop, bad cop thing? You ever heard of that before? You've heard of that, Eddie? All right. Heath Stapleton is the assistant coach. (laughs) Now, Christy's a coach. She handles most of the practices and stuff like that. But guess what? Thursday night, Christy was gone because she also helps out with the high school team. And the girls got introduced to suicides. And I'm watching this, having flashbacks of like the past. Oh my goodness, I thought I'd forgotten about all that. And they ran, and they ran, and they ran, and they ran some more. And you know what they did when they stopped running? They jogged five laps. All right? And it was so funny because before we got her at practice, Audrey was with me and we went and got pizza. Addison loves pizza. And... We even got those little cinnamon rolls. Got in big trouble for that. You got to take one for the team sometimes when you come home and you get Cinnabons at Pizza Hut, all right? But we got home and she wouldn't eat. She's like, I'm not hungry. I was like, no way you're not hungry. You ran your legs off. That's why you're not hungry. Go take a shower. And maybe, and still then she just ate like a little piece of pizza and only two Cinnabons. I mean, that's crazy, Right? Because she found out right out, she found out probably early, which is good, that training, training's not easy. It's not. And some training is more fun than others. But it's all important. And Paul, as he trained in this life for what was to come, there were times when Paul walked through some dark paths. Guys, when we begin to follow Jesus, there is no guarantees. Matter of fact, there's more of a promise. It's not going to be easy. Jesus is not bashful about it. He says, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. When you take a stand in this world, a loving stand, but still a stand for what is bright, And when you're brave enough to tell people you are going to hell without Jesus, you will be persecuted for that. It will happen. And life will deal us blows that we did not expect. It will happen. And yet in the midst of that, we are still called to look like Jesus. In, in the letter written to the Romans, written by Paul, you find we went over this just this past Wednesday night in our Romans class right here in this room. It was great. It was so much fun because it's not too often you get to teach an hour-long class on your two favorite verses in the Bible. And that's what I got to do Wednesday night. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And what Paul says in that is he talks about nonconformity. He says, don't, don't, don't look like the world. But be transformed. 
Let your mind be transformed. That will result in a bodily transformation. Be changed. Look more and more like Jesus. Understanding, just like Paul said, that the process will not be complete until Jesus touches us physically himself one day when we go home. But working towards it now. When it comes to moving on in life, this is the key, folks. Trust. A word that gets thrown around in church all the time is faith. Faith in Christ. You know what faith in Christ is? It's trust in Him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And for some of us in this room, that means letting the past go. I love that last song that we we sang together with the worship team. And I appreciate them so much with Jen being sick, you know, them stepping up to the plate and, and bringing us to a place of worship. Singing about Jesus breaking the chains in our life. And if you have chains from your former life holding on to you, whether that be sin or whether that be guilt, let him break the chain. Trust in Him. You see, the awesome thing about following on, following Jesus, is there nowhere we can go where He hasn't already been. And He will lead. This is crazy. Sometimes Jesus is walking beside you, all right? Sometimes he's leading you from the front. Like, come on. Just keep on coming. You can do, you can do this. Trust in me. Sometimes, well, you know, if this has been you, where you're like, ah, I don't know. It's like he, he, he just for a moment, like, gets behind. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, I don't, I'm not, like, pulled very well. I got to be pushed, all right? Like, come on. And sometimes... He's just carrying us because we don't have the strength. But in all of those situations, you know where he is? He's always right beside us. He's always there. He's always here. And the fact that he will complete the work that he has begun in us one day should never draw from the fact that he's right here, right now, whittling away. And follow me. Forget that past. I've broken those chains. Follow me. Move on. Why don't you stand with me, please? If the Lord is, is working on your heart in, in any way, if He's speaking to you, if He's calling for change in your life, there is not one person in this room who still doesn't have change to do. If Paul said, if the Apostle Paul said, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I got a feeling none of us are either. There's change that still needs to take place. We still need tomorrow to look more like Jesus than we did yesterday.
And if he is calling you to change, answer that call. And don't leave here today without doing something about it. There will be somebody right here. Myself, JB, Melvin's up here. There will be somebody here if you need to speak with someone. But I'm telling you what, there's a lot of good people out here too. Who'd love to talk to you about looking like Jesus. Maybe you just need to say yes to him to begin with and start this journey.